1: Callie Crossley and this is under the radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya. That's Creole for something extra. It's summertime, which means lighter wines, fresh seafood, and meals under the sun. Here to discuss summer's culinary trends are the the under-the-radars food and wine gurus, Amy Traverso, senior food editor at Yankee Magazine and co-host of WGBH's Weekends with Yankee. She is also the author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook. Welcome back, Amy. Thank you. And Jonathan Olson, founder and executive director of the Boston Wine School. Hello again, Jonathan. Hello, Callie. I am so glad to have you both here because this is my... My favorite conversation in the summer, food and (laughs) wine. (laughs) I asked you both to come up with your favorite summertime dish. And Amy, you brought it in. So this is lobster rolls, right? Yes.
0: I have become, (laughs) by design or accident, the queen of the lobster roll. So, I have spent a lot of time over the past year looking for the best lobster rolls. Last summer, uh, my family and I took an RV up the entire coast of Maine from York to Canada looking for the greatest lobster roll in Maine. And then, in the past, how awful for you! I know yeah. it's such a hard yeah. job. Yeah. And then, I also did a very thorough investigative look at the best lobster roll in Boston, and my conclusion was that. It is at Row Thirty Four in in Boston, mm. which is down on Congress Street and Four Point Channel. The reason I chose it is really has a lot to do with the quality of the meat. It was across the board the sweetest, best meat that I could. And what I mean, what is the lobster roll about if not the meat? I mean, you can season it, you can put mayo, you can do hot buttered, and I should say I really loved both. I love the hot buttered and their cold kind of lobster salad. But all of the lobster that they serve comes from chef owner Jeremy Sewell's cousin, Mark Sewell, oh. up in York, Maine. He's a lobsterman. So it just couldn't be fresher. It's in the it's from the family. <laughs> and, and and you really can taste it in the roll. Um my runner-up was B and G Oysters, which mm. makes an excellent roll as well. Mm. So I brought some in. I brought yeah. some hot buttered and some of yes, the, the lobster salad salad. You should definitely try bite. I mean, I think with lobster, there are a few things, lobster rolls are a few things that are important. The meat has to be really, really fresh in the summer. It tends to be better because that's the molting season and the lobsters are in their soft shell forms starting in about June. And the meat of these younger, smaller lobsters tends to be sweeter, or at least in the soft shell versions. And then you don't want to pre-mix the lobster meat with the mayonnaise if you're doing a cold roll. Mm. And I should say cold rolls, Maine. Hot buttered Connecticut. That's sort of the, uh, that's where they come from. So if you pre mix the meat with a lobster, which a lot of restaurants do, especially if they're working in volume, you'll know it because the lobster, first of all, it loses its sweetness, it absorbs the Mm -hmm. mayo flavor, which dominates, and then it also becomes really spongy, it loses its firm texture. So you can get, you know, pretty inexpensive rolls, even at McDonald's. I think they had one last summer for about eight bucks. You'll be able to taste that. I mean, look, if you know, no, no, no shade. If you want a lobster roll, it's affordable and that's great. But if you really want a quality experience, you know, you need to go to a good place, fresh meat and not too much pre-mixing.
1: Oh, that's a good, you know, a lot of people don't think, and you guys should taste over there mm. that don't think that lobster rolls have differences, you know, regional differences within the region. And we are the region of lobster rolls, New England. And that was such a revelation for me as someone who born and raised in the South, as you know, to find out, oh my God, there's real serious mm. differences and differences of opinion mm. about which one is which. And I enjoy going to Menem show mm. on Martha's Vineyard to watch the sunset. And there at Larson's, they do both the warm mm. buttered yes. and the cold salad. So there's they can just put that all to rest.
0: Right. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, well, and the good thing, I mean, if you're at a place you're not sure if the lobster roll is going to be good and they offer both, get the hot butter because it means it wasn't pre-mixed. And for me, the other thing that's really crucial with a lobster roll, no matter where you are in Connecticut or Maine or Boston, you want that split top. Bun. You want mm-hmm. the hot dog bun that is sort of bread on the side rather than crust. I was actually surprised. Several places I visited in Boston are using more of a standard bun, which has the crust all around. And then when you like griddle thin, it, it like can't a, soak up all the like butter. A, like, right? exactly. the like a
2: thinway frank bun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: No. Yeah. No. You can't do that.
1: There is a place in Cambridge, the name of which is gonna escape me. It's hidden little shop, and they don't call live and
0: kicking. Yes, they don't yes. call
1: theirs rolls. They call them. Um, Sandwiches or something, yeah, yeah and yeah. they serve
0: them on bread. Right, that place is, is great. Really it's very, very good, <laughs> yeah. and it it wins. I think a lot of people are charmed just by the fact that they're doing it differently. Yeah. And the lobster rolls. I mean, they they have the lobster right there. They're, it's very fresh, mm. very good. I tend to prefer the roll experience, but <laughs> Alive and Kicking is terrific, and they're on my list of the six. Yeah, I don't know which one I'm semi-finals. eating here, but well, this, what, is, is, that fan, the, this is fantastic. The this is fantastic. This is one of the salads, right.
2: and yeah, it tastes great, and also. You know, there's a big visual component. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um To the lobster roll. You know, if the meat is chopped up too fine, it doesn't look right. So, not only tastes great, but looks beautiful too. So, all
1: right. Well, now, Jonathan, if I were having my lobster (laughs) roll alone somewhere Mm. right now, I would be sucking it back with some rose because, you know, I know that the rose phase sort of kicked off a couple years ago. And I was like, eh, okay. Now I am obsessed. (laughs) I'm a woman obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) I keep trying different ones. You are not alone.
2: (laughs) It's so good. the whole rest of the world is just crazy about rosé these days. Is
0: it, I I is it because we're indecisive? We just like no, no, no. I, go totally
1: I ran, think it's because totally right. I just fought you know failed to realize how crisp it is and mm-hmm. how good it yeah. goes with so many different things. And it's it just looks like summer and it feels like summer. And I've just been enjoying it across the board. So I would be uh, sipping some oh, yes. rosé. And you absolutely a couple, you got Well, a in
2: well you know that old yeah. saying, you know, <laughs> red wine with red food, white wine right. with white food. Pink wine with pink food. I mean, this is, this, this <laughs> yeah, is the nat- this is this is a natural extension of that line of uh, thinking.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, about five years ago, rosé really started to pop. And when we talk about rosé, a lot of people immediately think about sweet rosé, sweet pink like wine, white one. Zinfandel, right. white Merlot, that <laughs> no. kind of thing. No. <laughs> when we talk about the rosés that are really popping and the rosés that are really becoming popular are dry rosé you know might be very fruity might be very fresh might be might be very yummy and tasty but no sugar and about 5 years ago those really really started to pop and the growth of uh, rosé consumption has been in like 15% plus every year for the fat past five years, it's just wow. it's just been Don't you think it's millennials?
1: millennials too, because it seems friendlier. Well, in some
2: way, it, it seems mm. it seems friendlier. Mm. I think that a lot of people, you know, you grow weary. Of, I'll just yeah. speak for myself. Yeah. I grow weary of all of the fixed ideas and shallow, one-dimensional, fixed ideas that I have about things. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the ideas that people have about rosé is that it's cheap. It's not interesting. You know, it's pretty, but it's not very smart. I mean, I think people are really—I mean, I think people are really coming around and, and, and are really, you know, revisiting it and saying, "Hey, I could be wrong. This rosé's got more to offer than what I thought, or than what I had been told all of these years."
1: So, what what about this one? This, this is one that you brought that I'm—I don't think I know, but
2: uh. so I brought a vino verde. Rose. Mm. When people think of Vino Verde, 85% of Vino Verde is white. Yes. But there are red grapes from Vino Verde. So they also make Vino Verde red.
0: See, I don't get it. It's like verde means green. Right, yep. So it's exactly. green grapes. That's right. And that's, that's what part, I thought. That's part yeah. of
2: where the name comes from. This is also like a very wet, very green part of northern oh. Portugal. Uh, you know, we drink the wines young, so they're in kind of a green state. But Vino Verde, the white Vino Verde, awesome wine for summer. Love it. And if you're a Rosé fan, if you're a Vino Verde fan and a Rosé Fan,
1: Put it all Vino together. Verde Rosé. Well, I'm, I've never seen it before. Amy and I were just saying well, before we started that I'd never seen this before, and Vino Verde is my very favorite summer wine because it's got just a little bit of fizz in it, and yep. it's you know,
2: it's a little fizz, it's got a little fizzy.
1: something to it, a little Light, crispness, lighter, yeah. lighter in
2: alcohol. Exactly. I mean, this one's twelve percent alcohol, which is plenty of alcohol. Yes, it is. But, <laughs> but you know, you can you know walk around the corner and just buy. Uh, Red wine's off the shelf, 14 and a half, 15, 15 and a half. 12% is pretty moderate these days in comparison. And then we've got this other rosé from the Columbia Valley, and Mm. this is a rosé of Gamay, Gamay Mm. Noir. And and Gamay is the name of the grape from Beaujolais. Mm -hmm. So this is essentially a Beaujolais rosé made in Washington State.
1: And here's a it's a point to say that uh, rosé comes from a very faint color, pink color, to a deeper pink. You know, there's a whole spectrum. A it's it's Super light rosés,
2: kind of dark rosés hmm. that are almost moving in and the direction of being red wine. And they're mm-hmm. all yeah. very good.
1: Yeah. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, because uh, you said that your favorite food was clams, and yes. you're very much a snob about yes, it. I... If you can't get it at Farnham's in Essex, <laughs> you're not eating it. I'm sure Amy's laughing because she's not I'm not, a, I'm not a wine snob, but
2: I am a gigantic fried clam snob. That's I get it. For sure. And I, you
1: eat bellies, right? Not just strips. Yes. Right? No. I'm, no I'm, good. I'm good. I'm
2: good. I'm good with the whole. The whole. Yeah, I'll eat the whole. Yes. I'll eat the, yes. whole, I'll I'll eat eat the, the bellies. Oh yeah.
1: I have to think about it, but I like right. them once I if think about it. If
2: it can be breaded it. and fried, I will eat it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the reason I bring that up is because my new favorite thing from Trader Joe's are these wines in a can yes. that I have, I have, have a little bit of fizz in them. You know, we have got to taste this. Yes, please. Yes. Yes. So Callie yeah. is on okay. the record. Okay. This is her got, favorite I, 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 I wine. We're gonna we have some sound
2: effects here. Hang on just a second.
1: There you go. Nice. Okay. They're little cans, and they're they're so popular that when I went to the store to try them because I read about it, I wanted to try it. She had to go yeah. on the shelf and look all the Ooh. way back. Yes, has a little fizz it's in so it. Both cute. of them. So, you can, this
0: is very picky. for a party, you put them in a exactly. bucket of ice. That's um, great.
1: And it's perfect Staff because meeting. the little fizz, as one knows, if one were eating fried foods, would be perfect as a palate mm-hmm. cleanser. So, I'm talking about your clams with this little fizzy. That's mm.
0: really nice. Isn't it good? It's
1: well. pretty. It's and, not bad. And you
2: know what? The can, these sort of more casual delivery systems yeah. for wine, uh, these are fun. Yeah. You know, there's this whole sense that, like, you know, wine's up here and I'm down here. You know, the exactly the same wine in a different format in a different, whether it's in a can or a half bottle or a double bottle, It's got a completely different emotional quality. And it's just like this just I love it. brings it. Mm. It feels like it's just so much more within within reach for for everybody, not not anybody, but for everybody.
1: That's right. Now, if you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar (laughs) with Callie Crossley, and my guests are Under the Radar's food and wine experts. Uh, You just were listening to Jonathan Alsip of the Boston Wine School and Amy Traverso of Yankee Magazine and Weekends with Yankee. And we're talking about what to eat and drink this summer, their favorites, my favorites, and your favorites, certainly. I'm a fan of these wines in a can. And, Jonathan, you're telling me there's more wines in a can that are look, a step up from these even, well, right?
2: Well, and there, yeah.
1: there there are quite a few
2: wineries that are starting to experiment with putting things into cans. One of the most popular, I think, that people have seen may, may have seen all the time in wine shops is from Oregon. And this is a winery called Underwood. Yes. And they have a Pinot Gris and they have a Rosé and they have a Pinot Noir in cans. And we have done a side-by-side blind tasting and the can tastes identical to you the bottle there you go. version. They're yeah. in, they're indistinguishable in this blind tasting that we did. All right. And again, just much more casual much easier to handle, great for binge watching House of Cards. Um, this is what I really recommend. <laughs> I,
0: just, I want really to see rec- the ad really with the rec- guy in rec- rec- the flannel <laughs> shirt coming home. He gets out of his pickup truck, he opens up the fridge, right. pulls out a wine, right. cracks it open, <laughs> puts well, you his know what? cowboy boots That's up a whole on
1: different them. look, isn't it, Amy? <laughs> I, love insane, it. I love an insane, it. An insane
2: friend of mine in college used to drink a six pack by leaving it in the plastic thing, oh, and then just opening each one and then drinking them, and then they would still be in the plastic container. Okay, so, you're friends. So, so maybe that's really... where that's, it was, it was quite a few years ago, um, but um, maybe that's where this wine can okay. is um, headed. Well,
1: but Amy, so you brought something that if you were with the guy pulling it out of the fridge with the can and the flannel shirt, um, you got some popcorn here, because we're a, a lot of people are talking about aromatics going into foods like popcorn, and you brought one of my favorites. We did not coordinate this, and you walked in this <laughs> (laughs) room with little lads popcorn and i adore this popcorn yeah
0: it's this cult (laughs) item in in particularly new england because it's it's made it's very interesting. It's made up in Corinth, Maine. It's a company that's owned by a community of Seventh day Adventists. So they're vegan. Their oh, diet is vegan. Okay. It's you know, it's a very healthy diet that they follow and they this is their healthy snack alternative. So it's sort of a vegan alternative to cheese popcorn. And they achieve that by adding nutritional yeast and herbs. Now it's a secret formula, but I can definitely see some dried dill. You can. Um, <laughs> I can't tell what. Uh, this, I, this, I mean, this. We're going to reverse engineer this. Is, is, <laughs> there's salt, pepper. There's some soybean oil sprayed on it. It's really delicious. It's very healthy. I mean, you can you Don't can remember. have a lot of this popcorn for about 150 calories. And I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> me I mean, <laughs> I, so um, so and it is really addictive, and it's a nice alternative. It does seem like a healthier, better alternative to eating like pirate booty or something.
1: I envisioned to be a small family company. Yeah, yeah it's a That's small. You, it's more yeah. like a
0: small community company. Yeah, uh, I think okay. there's multiple people from the community who work there. They make also a garlic butter, um, which actually, it. if I admit, it was my lunch yesterday in the office. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just didn't feel like going out to get a sandwich, and okay. I ate a bag of it. Uh, so they make a bunch of different flavors. They also do a caramel one. But uh, the, like the herbal the corn is, is the, the, yeah, it's the gold standard. Um, and you'll see it at Whole Foods and a bunch that's of... That's where I get and, it. Yeah. And yeah.
1: I have been known, I am embarrassed to say, to sort of let my little lip tremble um, when I go in the lo- aisle and it's not there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, say, and you look in the back. Uh, you know, I was looking for it one day and one of the guys stocking the shelves said, you knew... You can make your own. I was like, this is hippie enough for me like to be making my own herbal corn, like buying the yeast and the no. herbs. He gave me a formula, um, but I'm I don't buying think $70 is good. a pound
1: popcorn. Isn't that enough?
0: I don't think it could be this good. It is so really, really, really delicious. Uh, yeah. And I
1: love the fact that it's homemade and it's artisanal I mean, in that way that you know they, yeah. they take the time to do it. And it's yeah. really very well. I give it as gifts, actually. I, I'm, I'm No joke. This is my favorite popcorn. Yeah, it's fun to show up. <laughs> I mean, this is a giant <laughs> no. bag.
0: I have a 13 ounce bag here. It's like if you only buy it if you have a party because there's no way you're going to get to the no, bottom
1: of it. No, um, I actually buy it all the time in
0: that size.
1: Okay. Now look what you've done. <laughs> Let me just see. All right, so, Amy, um, I also want to talk to you about other food trends that I'm observing, and maybe they're not so trendy. Again, Trader Joe's has a new cauliflower pizza base. You know, yes. that's the cauliflower, the frozen cauliflower is all the rage, and so people are using it, making it their own, but now they're saying you don't even have to make the base, we'll make it for you.
0: What's interesting to me is how much more quickly diet trends, I don't want to say fads to diminish anyone's eating plan. Yeah. Um... (laughs) But, you know, remember when low-carb eating first came out, it really took quite a long time before the market was saturated with low-carb frozen meals and low-carb tortillas. And the I remember in the 90s, there were stores that were specifically low-carb stores where you could go and buy all the weird stuff, like the low-carb blueberry muffins made with soy powder. Yep. But basically, you know, there wasn't a saturation. Now, something like a, the paleo diet, it's like there's spiralized noodles mm-hmm. everywhere. That's true. There's cauliflower pizza crust everywhere. It's interesting. I, I don't know at what point the food manufacturers decide that, you know, there's enough momentum to start making these products, but they're getting to market a lot faster. And it's great because even if you're not pursuing a paleo diet, it doesn't hurt to eat those zoodles mm. instead of, it's instead tasty. of. I mean, right. it hurts in a way. If you, it's pretty tasty, I have to it's say. Not yeah. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's not terrible and it's healthier and it's a great way to just kind of mix it up a little bit. And the cauliflower crust, I have not. Done it myself. I haven't made it myself, and I haven't tried the Trader Joe's one. But they're they're also, I think, because they're West Coast based, they're yeah. they're they're ahead, they're, quick. Yeah, yeah. they're ahead of us. Yeah, they're ahead of us. I think and
2: I think I much prefer this trend of increasing the food's aromatics mm. and increasing the food's exotic ingredient component versus increasing the food's sugar yes. or increasing the, right. to make the food as interesting as possible. You know, I think the savory thing, the aromatic thing, I mean, I much prefer that to just, like, more sugar, more fat. Well, also, it or, helps you start, think,
1: you know, tasting other kinds of herbs that you may mm. not have come across. Like, yeah. even in the popcorn, there's lots of stuff in there. I don't, you could figure out what it was, but I really honestly couldn't, mm. um, and it was just, it's so delicious.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So. There's a, a company in Connecticut that's called Tea-rific. Um, okay. Uh, Tea-rific. Okay. Um, it's, but it's really, it's very, very, very good. We gave them a, um, one of our Editor's Choice Food Awards last year. Their yeah. tea and fused ice creams. Um, they're oh. out of Norwalk, Connecticut, and they have really cool flavors. They have a chamomile, which is delicious. They mm. uh, and they have a lavender blueberry. So mm. that's like an herbal oh, tea.
2: I would totally. They're eat delicious.
0: That. They really are very very good. Yeah. And I think people as they become more food educated and more discriminating maybe about what they eat, uh, things that have those delicate flavors. They want to experience, oh my gosh, I'm picking up the cardamom pot in that chai ice cream. You right. know, they, It's fun because we just have more options. And
1: I think we're actually, we're appreciating it more, just the, the mix, the fusion. The fusion started some time ago and now people are way more open to fusing together some scents, some smells, some herbs you may not have thought of combining Mm -hmm. in very interesting ways. So I I, I personally love that. Jonathan, you poured us a red wine. What is it?
2: Well, speaking of different sorts of delivery Mm -hmm. systems, this is a Portuguese red from a part of Portugal called Alentejo. This is a blend of five different grapes. One of the grapes is Cabernet. Hmm. The other four grapes are indigenous Portuguese grapes that no one has ever heard of before. Trincadero, Aragones, Alicante Boucher, and although we can't see this on the radio, of course, yeah, yeah, we'll put a shot of this up on the web, but this is, you know, people are very uh, nervous about the box of wine. People are not sure they like a box of wine. Well, this producer says, okay, you don't like the box. How about a tube? <laughs> so ex- so, so exactly the same technology, except it looks sort of like, you know, the boxes they put fancy schmancy scotch in. Oh, yes. It, it That's like exactly a, what it, it looks, looks like. It looks like, like yeah. one of those, and it's more bottle-shaped. Right. But, it, but it's exactly the same technology, box of wine. This is called Herdad dos Muachos. And it is a red wine from Portugal. Portugal is one of my favorite wine regions anyway. And, you know, let's talk about the money,
1: how much this costs, because we're talking about very reasonably priced wine. It's a big bottle. It's four bottles worth. Absolutely.
2: So this is four regular bottles in this one box slash tube. Yeah. This was $16. Oh wow. God. So yeah. that's $4 a bottle yeah, that's, or I'm, I'm 70, with 75 cents a glass.
1: And it, all, it comes with a spigot. And it comes I with, I little, it. with
2: a little spigot. <laughs> and the way it works, the, the technical name for this technology is bag in box. Okay. Because inside this thing is a collapsible bag so that while you're drinking this, while you're drawing wine out of it, there's no air bubbling back up into it. Mm. It stays fresh for a long, long time. Well, how long is yeah, that's what I want to Well, know. Yeah. so so I have had box of wine in March that was opened in November.
1: And still good?
2: And and tasted just fine. Okay. Wow. I, I didn't do any sort of quasi-scientific Way. thing where I tasted in November, but it was a box that had been opened in November, and the people had been tasting it pretty continuously since okay. November to see what had happened, <laughs> yeah. and it tasted just fine. Oh. So that's like 120 days. So certainly within 60 or 90 days, it's going to stay fresh. Well, you know, one and, of the complaints very, of people is that
1: you open a bottle and then, you know, you got to hurry up and, you know, exactly. not, sometimes that's not a problem. But in other times, you might like to hold it for a while yeah, and you exactly. really can't because that air will kill you. But this is great. Exactly. The, yeah. And
2: again, you know, the thing is, it's great technology. It's got some class distinction issues and some style issues. Yeah. You know, when people see a box of wine, they immediately think, oh, you know, yeah. 79 cents a bottle. Yeah, You know, and that's just not—you cannot judge a book by its cover, and you cannot—just because just it's in a pretty, pretty bottle doesn't mean it's good wine. No, that's true. And just because it's in this kind of strange tube-shaped delivery system you've never seen before it doesn't make it crap. I
0: All love, right. though, that they have a picture of the wax seal— Yes. On the side, yes. so, <laughs> so you can so, so, you so can you're get still it. getting I know. the wax seal but, the and, they, and they
2: and they have sort of recreated the label look, it's right? Really you know, since it's a round surface, they're able to continue the wine label look. So, all right,
1: well, I got it just a few minutes here, and I want to get from each of you a couple other things that this summer we should definitely check out, or you are definitely checking out. So, Amy, let me start with you.
0: I am really loving going to Waypoint in Cambridge right oh, now. Oh, to me eat. too. I just love this idea that. He's doing what he calls coastal-inspired cuisine, not not seafood. It's not a seafood restaurant. And I think that just frees him up conceptually to do really fun stuff. It's not only seafood, but, boy, is the seafood good. So I'm loving that kind of experimental spirit. And I'm loving going to a Little Donkey also in Cambridge. Mm. I definitely Have am a doing dinner. a lot. Yeah, and there's some good stuff coming on this side of the river Oh, gosh, there's a new oyster bar in the north end. Mm. Um, It's North Square Oyster, uh, which is right near the Paul Revere House. And that's a fun place to grab a drink of wine and some oysters and walk down to the waterfront. So that's another nice thing to do. Mm.
1: And I do want to underscore Row 34 because I have been there and had both versions of their lobster roll and they're delicious. And they have other delicious food, too. They do. And it's it's a lovely location at the same time. All right. What are you looking forward to, Jonathan? Well, we have
2: been doing a lot of wine classes at the Boston Public Market. Okay. And uh, because of that, we've been integrating a lot of these Massachusetts-made wines into our curriculum. And so this summer, I've made a little commitment uh, to revisit some of these local vineyards and wineries. I've been really, really impressed with the quality of these Massachusetts wines. Favorites: uh, Truro, mm-hmm, me uh, too. Westport Rivers, Westport River, uh, Marco Montez at mm. uh, Travesia down in New st- Bedford, mm. Black Birch. This is one of the relatively new winery. But we have this spectacular wealth of local food, local cheese. We also have this great wealth of local wine, too. And people still do not completely get that get we have it. local wine. That we have mm-hmm. local wine, we have local whiskey, we have local craft brews. These are all multiple sides of this beautiful, multi sided coin. You know, the wine, the beer. You know, this is all coming from the same impulse. And we just have a rich abundance of this here in New. New England, and my plan this summer is to just really revisit some old favorites, mm-hmm. and also discover some things that'll be totally new to me.
1: Well, I'm excited, and um, I wanted to get the cost of that wine that you mentioned before, the Vino Verde Rosé. Is it that's not expensive? Is it because oh, Vino Verde no. is usually
2: not? No, no, not yeah, not right. at all. I'm I'm going to guess. Eleven.
0: Okay, very 11. good. And the box wine is delicious. Yeah, it's so Yeah, awesome. it's very really,
2: good. Uh, <laughs> really, Really, really tasty. Yeah, and, um,
1: yeah. So. so we've gone from Portugal to Massachusetts, and it's been a tasty trip, wine-wise. <laughs> sure. And we certainly have been all over New England with you, Amy, <laughs> uh, talking about all these foods. And I, I can't believe that you brought my favorite popcorn in here. It's just so amazing. Oh, yeah, and my wine
0: <laughs> odyssey story is going to be in the July-August oh. issue of Yankee. And the winner best lobster roll in Maine was McLoons in South Thomaston. Not only a fantastic roll, but one of the most beautiful little lobster shacks you'll ever... I mean, just mm. imagine the platonic ideal of a lobster shack, uh, and that's pretty much it.
1: Oh, well, we have a lot to look forward to this summer. I thank you both for bringing it to us, <laughs> because I can't wait to try some things that you've mentioned and just enjoy the other things that I already know about. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Our guests are Amy Traverso, senior food editor at Yankee Magazine and co-host of WGBH's Weekends with Yankee. She's also the author of The Apple Lovers Cookbook and Jonathan Alsop, founder and executive director of the Boston Wine School. Well, that's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show and links to stories we discussed today on the web at news.wgbh.org UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugertz. Andrea Aswaii is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH.